you know, years ago when we were getting ready to celebrate our church's first uh, birthday, we just said, hey, we want this to be a moment every year where we just, we come back to, to Jesus's last words in his earthly ministry, and we make sure that his last words are our first priority. And uh, I, love, I love this moment in Matthew chapter 28, right after the resurrection. Jesus is raised from the dead, and this is what it says, Matthew 28, verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some of them still doubted. And then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so this is what I want you to do. He says, so therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And so this moment where Jesus, he's just, he's just raised from the dead. He's blowing all of their minds. They have no idea what to do with this. And, and he looks at them and he says, hey, I want you to know all authority, like in other words, I'm in charge, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he says, this is what I want you to do with the rest of your life. And he looks at this group of men and women, this group that had never traveled more than 50 or 60 miles from the place that they were born. <laughs> they had never seen an airplane, gotten on an airplane, didn't exist yet, you know, no internet, you know, no cell phones, none of these things. He looks at them and he says, here's what I want you to do with your life. He says, as you go about your life, I want you to partner with me in making disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, this is, he's like, yeah, one life, and this is what I want you to give that one life to. And there's so many really fun ways that we get to do that week in and week out, month in and month out, year after year after year. But one of the things that we do every year on our, our birthday is, is we, we stop and we go, okay, Lord, how do you want to use this portion of, our church, of your church family to bless and extend your heart in the nations? Like, how do you want to take what's happening here in Nashville and use it to partner with what you're doing, God, in the nations? And so... Uh, every year on our birthday Sunday, we, uh, we highlight some of our global partners. We take up an offering. Uh, we'll literally take up an offering today. We just do that a couple times a year where we pass a basket. Literally 100% of it uh, is going to the work in the nations. You can see that information in your seat as you came in this morning. Uh, but one of the things I'm really excited about is we actually have one of our global partners um, with us this morning. You've heard us uh, talk about him over the last couple of weeks. And so um, here in just a second, I'm going to invite uh, Jana Og, who is our global missions pastor, and our dear brother Misha, all the way from Serbia. He got in last night at 8.45, and they're going to come up, and we're just going to spend some time talking about what God is doing uh, in the nations and how we can be a part of it. Um, but can you just do me a huge favor? As I, as I welcome them, can you just give them a huge, like, welcome to ethos, welcome to Nashville, Tennessee, like we really love you, we're really family, kind of welcome. Can we do that here in just a moment? So would you please show some love for Jana Og, our global mission pastor, and for Misha, come on up, brother, come on. Thank you. (laughs) 
You know, I love that moment. Some, some decided to go with a standing ovation. Some didn't. Some were like, we are not that excited about Serbia. Okay. And, and, so, and I, I do love that moment when you're in a room like this and people begin to stand up and it's like, oh, like, should I stand up? And so some, <laughs> some of you stood up out of obligation. Some of you stood on the firm principle of I'm only doing it because they're doing it, so I'm not going to stand up, but I am happy and I'm going to celebrate. <laughs> and uh, I love it. Man, we're, we're so, we're so honored that you're with us. Um, it, it's such a gift, like, that you would, it is not easy to get here. Um, it, it takes time, takes resource, yep. takes all kinds of sacrifice. Um, you have stuff going on at home that's really significant yep. in your family and in your church. And for you to come and to be with us is such a gift. And um, yes, we want to bless and take up an offering, but um, we just want to acknowledge, we actually think we're receiving an offering this morning in your presence. Uh, isn't that right, church? Like, we believe we're actually receiving a gift and an offering um, just from God uh, in your presence with us. And so we love you. Thank you for being here. It's my privilege to be here. And yeah. I really think, uh, I really believe so. Yeah. And I would love, would you take just a minute and just introduce yourself? Tell us about your family. Tell us about where you're from. Just give us a little bit of a snapshot so we have some context. So uh, my name is Misha. I come from Serbia. I am um, a Roma. I'll explain that later a little bit. Um, in case you're confused, I have a little bit of the Australian accent, so that's going to kick in. I'm trying to take it out. It's not working for now. So I am I'm from Serbia. That's Eastern Europe. I come from a city called Leskovac. And together with uh, my dad, who is a senior pastor in the church, we lead one of the largest churches in the country. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your wife and your daughter and your son that's on the way. So I am married, one wife. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> for specifying. Yeah, I think with times like this, you have to specify that as well. So uh, I have a daughter, uh, her name is Miriam, she's four years old, uh, but also I have a baby on the way. So uh, another baby. The amazing thing is that uh, my baby is due to be delivered on the 21st of November in two weeks time. So you, gotta, you, you now think his wife is very gracious you know, to let him come all the way. So um, I'm expecting that uh, a, a boy is going to come. His name, his name is going to be probably Benjamin. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's one of the things, even we can just pray, you know, that his wife does not go into labor early. <laughs> yeah, please. And, uh, and for a whole lot of reasons, um, for her sake, for your sake, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and all that. Um, <laughs> Um, but man, we're so we're so excited. Just a, a moment ago, you know, you you use this word. You said I'm a Roma. Um, can you? What's that mean? Can Can you explain that for those that that don't know don't know what you're referring to there? So when I say I am a Roma, you know, one of the first things that people think, oh, he's from Romania. Romania is actually a country in Eastern Europe. Um, the Roma people take about 10% in Europe. And we as a group, we came back all the way from India about 1,200 years ago. Then we moved through Eurasia, Tur Turkey, and finally we settled in Eastern Europe. So the Roma people are uh, some of, probably for some of you, uh, the term's going to be gypsies. So the gypsies, have you, have you guys heard of gypsies? You know, the traveling kind. So not all of us live in that kind of a life. We are more of settled down, have a, a nice place 
place. But Roma people came from India, settled in Europe, and this is where we live now. Can you describe, you said, you know, Roma translated. Will you describe what it means and kind of why that's significant to you guys? Yeah. So, one of our greatest struggle as a Roma people in Europe, and for some of you who have been to Europe, you've probably seen some of them, is that for most of our part, for most of our past and history in Europe, we used to be slaves. Uh, then Second World War happened, and unfortunately, we all know that about six million Jews was, were exterminated. But not many people know that the Roma people, or the gypsies, were the second largest group who were exterminated by the Nazis. Some estimates say that about two million Roma people were exterminated. My grand-grandfather, his two brothers, many, many of our families was completely cut off. So uh, today, some of the people will use the term gypsies. Gypsy is actually a confusion because people originally thought that we come from Egypt. So Egyptians, gypsies, but that's actually not true. We came from India. But the reason why we would prefer a name Roma is that Roma means a human being. Gypsy has been translated as a tziganin, and it's a very derogatory term because uh, uh, it carries the meaning that this is a person that doesn't have a soul. So uh, for a very long time, most of our history, in some countries, even today, people think that the Roma people do not have souls. Unfortunately, we even had, I'm not going to name the country, not going to name the, the movement, but we have one of the largest church movements in one of the eastern countries that said, don't go and preach the gospel to the gypsies because they have no souls. What's the point of preaching the gospel to us? But guess where the revival comes in? It's with the gypsies in Europe. And gypsies are doing amazing things in Europe. And God, we got the Yeah, you Lord. can clap for that. Yeah, you know, Jana, one of the things that I love is a, a part of our, our global missions philosophy is, is you have this real heart for how do we... How do we take Jesus' call to the nation really seriously, to the nations really serious? How do we come alongside local leaders uh, to do that work? And, and I would love if you would just uh, kind of give us a snapshot of why it matters that we partner with local leaders as we reach the nations, and specifically what you've seen God doing between Ethos and the Balkan nations over the last four or five years. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the best stories that I have to kind of illustrate what we're doing is this memory I have when I was eight years old. We lived in the neighborhood with a lot of old people, and I remember thinking, I want to go play softball one day, but there were no kids. And so I just went in my front yard, and I started throwing the ball up to myself, trying to catch it myself. And I remember this grown man just pulls up, stops in front of my yard, and just starts laughing at me. Because he knew, this like instinctively, you can't play a team sport individually. It doesn't make sense. He thought it was funny. But I think one of the calls we see as an American church is we're trying to play a team sport as individuals. It doesn't work as well. God made us as a big, giant, global family. 
And I love it ethos, you know, our heart is thinking of it as a big round table, not a rectangle one with one person barking orders from the front, but a round table where every nation, every tongue, every tribe, kind of the picture we see in Revelation 5, 9, Revelation 7, 9, is represented with equal say, with equal heart, and carrying a different aspect or characteristic of God. So it's beautiful when we start seeing, you know, through Misha's friendship, I've learned so much about God. I've learned so much about um, different aspects of God that's glorified through Romas, through Serbians. And it's beautiful because we don't have that same thing in America. Different parts, different countries of the world have different parts of God that's glorified. I love this morning you were even talking about how you guys do family, how, you know, the kids, the parents take care of the kids and then the kids take care of the parents and they stay in the home. You guys do family so well. I love Africans. They do faith really well. If you need... Some faith, you just talked in African. They believe that God can do anything. I love Latin Americans do community really well. These different parts of the Lord that are glorified and magnified. So we love working with local leaders because, you know, I got to go to Serbia a few weeks ago. Loved it. It was awesome. I don't know the language. I don't know the people. I don't know the nuances. I'm not the best person to help advance the gospel in Serbia. You are. And and you know the Roma people, you know what God's doing, you've seen the stories, you have the faith. So we love partnering alongside of local leaders. We believe God has birthed people, that he knit them together in their mother's womb for their country and their people. And we get the joy and honor and privilege of coming alongside them and saying, hey, we want to be a part of what God's doing. We're not the main character, but we can fan the flame. We can take up an offering. We can be a tiny part of seeing the gospel advance. And it gets me so excited. So the Balkans, it's been fun. You know, we, we... we don't have strategy. We're not the ones coming up with, we should maybe do this country or this country. I I wish we could, but we follow the Holy Spirit. And, you know, to be honest, probably a few years ago, I didn't know what the Balkans were. I didn't pay attention in geography class. I guess a lesson I skipped. Um, But we just started noticing God doing something there. You know, a few years ago, you and Andrew got to go to North Macedonia, and you guys met Sasha. You've heard us talk about him. He's visited before. I think you thought he was your driver at the time. Um, But Sasha, just an amazing, just father, pastor of pastors in Serbia, has been a... uh, uh, an advisor to several different presidents in, in North Macedonia. Um, so got to know him, really saw the Lord moving there. If you guys have been around for a year, you know the story last year where we started seeing on the live chat a guy from Albania, and he's like, hey, I'm Clodian from Albania, week after week after week. So we reach out and say, hey, who are you? We got to support him last birthday Sunday and what they're doing there. Um, then they introduced us to Misha and his dad and got to go visit their church. We just see the Lord. We're just following the Holy Spirit, seeing that there's a movement of God in the Balkans, and we get to be a part of it, it's so much fun. You know, uh, one of the things as we've gotten to know you is it's so cool that God has just had his hand on you, Misha, that there's been this story that God has been unfolding in the Balkan nations, uh, that he's been unfolding in Serbia, that he's been unfolding in, in your family. I would love if, if you would just give us a little context for how you came to faith, you know, how uh, a nation like Serbia is beginning to experience revival uh, mm. through the Roma people. Mm. So uh, our, our, our background is Muslim, but back in the 80s, in the 90s, um, the, the government, the country was communist. So God is that, there is no God. The president is the kind of semi-God of the country. And my dad worked for the government. My dad was a hardcore communist, hated God. So, because there is no God in his mind. But uh, I have an older brother, and uh, he had something on his neck. So, I'm going to try to shorten the story. How old were you at this time? I I was about four years old, and he was about eight. (laughs) So, we were very little. My brother had something. 
they go to check that on him, uh, check after check, check after check. They end up in Belgrade, which is the capital, the main hospital. Uh, they do all of the tests. The final, you know, after after receiving chemotherapy, radiation, the final test is there is cancer all over his body. That's it. He's done. And the doctors told us, take the kid home, give him whatever he wants to eat or do. He's going to die in two months, max. It was a heartbreaking moment for us as a family. Ah, sorry. I promised I'm not going to cry. <laughs> I, I told you you could. <laughs> we love tears. <laughs> okay. So what happens is that my mother started going crazy. Uh, I mean, literally crazy. When my dad saw what's happening, he took his gun and said, he loaded it, said, the day that my son dies, I'm going to kill myself. Um, so at the time, the church was uh, like underground church. It's communism. And uh, my dad was this hardcore communist. So one day, two brothers from the church, completely illiterate. They do not know how to read, how to write, but full of the Holy Spirit, I can tell you that. <laughs> they knock on our doors, and they came, and they, they saw my father, and they said to my dad, we know that you're a communist, and we know that you can call a police on us. We know that we'll put ourselves in danger. But we came to tell you that God can heal your son from cancer. If we pray for him, God will heal your son. Very bold statement. And then my dad said, if your God can help my son, I'll do anything. I don't care about my job or if I'll end up in prison. You know, I just want my child to be saved. So they came, entered the room. My brother was completely bold on the bed. We just wait for him to die. They laid their hands on him. They prayed for him. The moment they prayed, he started feeling better. The moment they prayed, he started feeling better. Something odd's happening. You know, week by week, uh, he's feeling better. His hair is growing back. He's eating. He's feeling much, much, much better. Three months after that, you know, he still hasn't died. And my parents are like, what is going on? We have to go to Belgrade again, to the capital, to the hospital, do the tests again and see. So they go to the hospital. They do all of the tests. The doctor comes out. He goes... I'm sorry, something odd's happening. The machine is broken. We have to do the tests again. <laughs> they do the tests again. The doctor comes out. He, ha he has all of the results. He has the, the previous results and these results now. And he, he goes to my dad, what have you done with this child? And my dad is like, what's, what's happening? The doctor says, there is absolutely no cancer in his body. <laughs> he says, what have you done with him? And then the doctor says, do you go to church or something like that? Which is a very dangerous question because he is a communist. My dad is supposedly a communist. You're not, you're not, you shouldn't go to church or believe in God. But then my, my dad says, well, yeah, we became Christians. We believe in God. And then a doctor who to this day, He's not a believer. He says this to my dad. He says, this is only the hand of God. This is, this is something that we cannot do. And then he said this to my dad. He said, 
don't you ever leave that God. This, your God, he did this for you. He was literally prophesying over my dad. So now my dad has left that job, moved for the church, and now he's leading one of the largest churches in the country. So, so tell us about your brother. How's your, how's your brother doing now? So he, uh, he's doing great. <laughs> he's doing great. He's, he's a man, uh, like, cutting hair, I don't know how you call it. A barber. He, yeah, a barber. He, he's doing great. He also leads the, the youth ministry. He's married and has two twin boys. So praise God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I love it. There's, there's so many stories like this, the way that God breaks into into places of utter despair, pain, heartache, brokenness. He shows up in ways that you couldn't imagine. I would love to tell us, tell us another story. You were telling me about a woman in your church um, that, that God met her in a really significant and kind of similar way. So the vast majority of the, the Roma people, how we all came to Christ, the vast majority of that was absolutely supernatural. So dreams, visions, and healings. So we, we had like tons of people that... You know, they would see a man dressed in, in white and he would have wounds on his hands and would say to him, go and follow the pastor or go to that guy or go to the church. So one of those cases was that th- this lady, she was, uh, she was very sick. She was like 34 or 5, very sick, about to die. And she goes to hospital, but unfortunately, you know, if you are Roma, Somewhere in Eastern Europe, it's not a place that you're going to have, you know, a medical protection or medical service at all. So she goes to the hospital, but they don't want to do anything for her. So one night she goes to sleep, and an angel of the Lord comes, all dressed in white, this shining man. And he says to her, hey, you see the street where the hospital is? She goes, yes. Just go all the way to the end of the street, turn right. Not the first house, but the second. Go inside of the house. There are going to be people who are going to pray for you. There's a church. There are going to be people who are going to pray for you, and you will be healed. She gets up in the morning. The first question she goes, what's a church? <laughs> She's never heard of that. She doesn't know. It's communism. There are no churches. But she remembers the dream, so she goes to that place where the hospital is. She goes all the way to the end of the street, turns right. Not the first house, but the second. She goes inside of that place, and that turns out to be the only underground church in the city. She goes inside, and there are people on their knees praying. She goes, okay, everybody's on their knees. I'm going to go on my knees. She goes on her knees. There are people, musicians. The pastor wasn't there. (laughs) The musicians were there. They came, lay hands on her, prayed for her, she gets instantly healed, instantly healed. That lady leads the woman's ministry in my church today. <laughs> you know, you see this so often through scriptures that um, whenever the miraculous takes place, it takes place in a context where you need the miraculous. And I, I think what I, I just, I say this confessionally, you know, we so often pray, God, would you do something significant? Would you move in mighty ways? But none of us typically want to be in an environment that would need God to show up in such a significant way. So it's so, it's so amazing to just kind of hear what God has been doing in your story. 
Um, Jana, I, I would love if you would just kind of give us, you know, we're, we're partnering with, we're partnering with Misha and with Clodian and with Sasha and these ministries. Um, w- would you kind of give our church some context for why we think it's so significant to partner with people who are working in places where someone would say, I don't even know what a church is. Like, why is it important to to, to engage unengaged and unreached people like this? Yeah, so if you think about the whole world right now, there's over 17,000 people groups. 7,000 of those people groups have not yet had a chance to hear about the name of Jesus. And we think we're really passionate about, you know, we look at verses like Revelation 5, 9. We look at verses like Matthew 24, 14 that say, hey, the the kingdom's going to be preached to the whole world and then the end will come. We think it's really important that everybody has a chance to hear the gospel. And so we love going into places and saying, hey, we want to give our resources toward people who haven't yet had a chance to hear about Jesus. There's a crazy stat for American churches as a whole. This is not a stat reflective of ethos. Um, But of every dollar given, 95 cents of it goes toward home-based ministry. 4.5 cents goes towards cross-cultural ministry, um, but in places that have already heard the name of Jesus. Half a cent, half a cent of every dollar given in American church goes toward people who haven't yet heard. And we want to change that. And today, literally, like 100% of what you're giving is going to go towards that. People who have not yet had the chance to hear. And these are a lot of times places, you know, I can't just walk into a Roman community and be like, hey, Jesus loves you guys. Um, Places that are harder to reach. There's a reason why. There's still 7,000 people groups. Um, And that basically just means like less than 3% of the population has yet heard about Jesus. And so both Serbia, Albania, and North Macedonia are all under that statistic. And so we see mighty men and women of God that are saying, hey, we want our countries, we want our people groups to know about the Lord, and we get a chance to be a part of that. I didn't think three years ago, like, hey, I'm going to get to be a tiny part of what God's doing in unreached people groups in the Balkans, but yet, here we are, because that's his heart, to do this as a family, and it is, man, it is our greatest joy and honor to get to do this. We believe in what God's doing, we believe in you guys, and it's so much fun. And so here in just a moment, uh, you know, we're going to take up an offering for what God's doing in Albania, in North Macedonia, and in Serbia. You know, part of the vision that God has given you and, and your team, Misha, is to plant 10 churches in the next three years. Um, God has already helped plant 30 churches um, through you all uh, just by the, the grace of God. And so we're so excited to get to be a part of that. Um, as we kind of wrap up, what are one or two things that this group of people can be praying about specifically for you and your family uh, in this season of life and ministry? How can we pray for you? So, um, just pray that my, my baby gets delivered safely. One, one of the reasons I say this is, is um, unfortunately, the first, time, the first time when my daughter was born, um, this is how, and, and for some of you who have been outside of U.S., you will know that some countries have, you know, they, they, they function only on the level of bribes. So if you bribe people, the country is going to work. If you don't, nobody's going to look after you. So the first time my daughter was born, uh, my, my wife delivered the baby. Um, even though there was really no reason why, the doctors find it easier to cut her down there, make more room for the baby to come out. Okay, they got the baby out. Two weeks after that, my wife is still bleeding, a lot of pain, something odd's happening. So we go to the private hospital to see what's happening. And there we, to our shock, we discovered that, you know that those little like sponges, cotton sponges that you use to clean the blood? 
they left it inside of her and sued her back with that inside of her for two weeks like that. She could have got sepsis and died. So this is one of the reasons why I really want to be back before my wife delivers the baby, just so I can make sure to go, hey, here is 100, here's 200. Now just do the, do the job right so you know, I can still have a wife after, after that. So that's one thing. Another thing that, and I have to tell you this quick story. This will help you understand the group that we are working with, who I am. When I was a kid, and this is a story that every Roma child in Eastern Europe would hear. I, I, there is a story that, because for so long we were slaves and, and, and people would kill us and we, we live in ghettos, very poor. There is an explanation, you, know, you have to explain because very often I would ask myself, why, you know, why, why are these things happening to me? You know, just why would people discriminate against me just because I have a different color skin? So I, I believe this, is, this, is, this was the explanation to why the Roma people are going through all of this. There's a story that's been told to every Roma child, this is, which is, a long time ago, the sky was very close to the people, very close to all of us, and this is where God used to live, very close to the people. But then, one day, a Roma mother did not, hear what, did not have what to feed the child. So she took a little bit of his poo, put it on bread, and gave him to eat. So when God saw this, he was so disgusted by the Roma mother that he took the skies away from the Roma people and away from all of the people, which literally says, you know, the reason why God is far, far away from us is because of the Roma people. So it is one thing to believe that, that many other people will believe that, you know, they're disgusted by the Roma. But this lives within us as well. The Roma people believe that not only people have rejected us, God has rejected us. God is disgusted of us. And this is why it's so important to show the love of God to the people because they believe God has given up on us. The history tells us that. You know, most of our experiences will tell us that. But this is not true because I see the great revival coming I see a great revival happening right now because God is doing, God's doing so, so many amazing things with my Roma people. But this is why I believe, you know, I just want you to pray that, you know, the love of God will just be poured upon my people, that the people will know that God is for us and not against us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, can you just help me show some love and appreciation to Misha? So here's how we're going to wrap up our day. We're, we're going to take up a special offering on behalf of uh, this year's global, uh, global partners that we're, we're partnering with. Um, you can give online at ethosgive.org, so you can pull out your phones and go to ethosgive.org. You can uh, select the birthday Sunday fund. You can also write a check to ethoschurch.org. If you've already put something in the, in the give mailboxes today, 100% of that is going to this, but as you're, as you're getting out your phones, as you're getting out your cash and your check, let's watch this video uh, together on, on this year's birthday offering, and then I'll give us a few instructions and we'll pray.
For more than a decade, our church family has celebrated our birthday by collecting a special offering on behalf of our global missions partners. Over the years, we've provided clean water, given life-changing medical supplies, printed new translations of the Bible, started churches, built orphanages, launched schools, and fed the hungry. This year, God has opened a door for our church family to partner with three amazing ministries working to advance the good news of Jesus in the Balkan nations. The phrase Balkan nations refers to a geographic region in Southeast Europe that includes seven nations in full and portions of six other nations. Historically, the Balkans have experienced much pain and trauma through years of oppression at the hands of the Ottoman Empire and more recently the communist regime during the Cold War. It wasn't until the dismantling of Yugoslavia in the early 1990s that multiple countries and cultures began to clearly emerge in the region, along with an open door for the gospel. Today, there are still numerous unreached people groups in this region, and we believe God is extending a tremendous opportunity for our church family to come alongside three ministries led by local leaders, all working toward a God-sized vision to see these nations reached for Christ. So join us on Sunday, November 7th, as together we collect one big offering to advance the gospel in three beautiful countries through the life-changing impact of 10 unique ministry projects, all for one big purpose, to see the glory of God fill the earth. So we invite you to pray for these ministries and leaders. We invite you to give joyfully and generously, and we invite you to spread the word as together we seek to love God, love people, and awaken a movement. Learn more and give at ethoschurch.org slash birthday. So I want to invite you to stand with me. I want to pray. We're going to pray over Misha. We're going to pray over these projects. I just invite you wherever you're at in the room. Uh, you probably can't see where Misha is standing at right now. Actually, Misha, just come over here with me. I just invite you to, to just extend your hands in the air towards our dear brother. So we're just laying our hands on you, on your family, on your people. Father, I just give you thanks for our brother. God, thank you for those two men that showed up at his family's house in the midst of their heartache years ago. God, thank you for giving those guys Holy Spirit courage that has lit a match, that has started a, a signal fire in a nation, God, that's reaching other nations. God, those two guys probably have no clue. God, I just thank you for the gift of small, courageous steps of obedience. And God, we thank you for what you've done, for what you're doing, and what you're about to do. God, we thank you for the way that this offering, Lord, may it be pleasing to you. God, may it just be a, a satisfying just aroma to you. May, may you use every bit of it, Lord, to just advance the name of Jesus and the ways of Jesus into places where so many of us will never go. God, we pray uh, that, that you would just bless Misha's family, that baby Benjamin would, would not come a day earlier than November 21st, that you'd be with the delivery, that, Father, you'd just protect and strengthen and bless their family through that whole process. Father, we pray for the Roma people, that, God, you would just continue to raise up men and women 
with boldness and courage that would just show them how much you mat- how much they matter to you and how much you see them and know them and love them. God, would you raise up leaders that would help turn around the story and the narrative that has gripped the heart of so many people who believe they don't have a soul and that God would be withdrawn from them. God, uh, the gospel declares that it's because of our mess that you came near. It's because of our mess uh, that you drew into our lives. And so God, we just pray that the truth of Jesus would just saturate that entire nation and that you'd bless our brother in the name of Jesus. And together we say, amen. So here's how we're going to do this. If you want to give on your phones, get your phones out and give on your phones. We're going to also have these black trash cans that are going to pass down the, the row. You can put cash or check in. When that gets to the end of your row, turn around and hand it to the person right behind you uh, so they can uh, give as well. Thanks.